This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, a positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyers Bay in Dunedin, and I am joined by Mawira Karatai in Fakatani. Kia ora, Mawira. How's it going today? Very well. We're, um, everything's good with us. We, uh, we've had some rain, which is good, and we've got a chook house at our house now, so I'm excited that we'll have chickens later this week. And we're also joined... Unusually, not via video link, well, via video link to me, but not to you, Mawira. You have Hazel Osborne sitting beside you. I do. Hello. (laughs) Hello there. Mawira, who is Hazel? Hazel is one of our intrepid reporters for the Whakatani Beacon, and she is writing a story about what we've been doing. So I thought, wow, this is a cool opportunity for us to talk to Hazel and see the world through her eyes. That sounds like a fun thing to do. So how has your bubble been, Hazel? My bubble, um, it's been pretty good. Uh, I, it's kind of unusual. I was living with um, another reporter from my newsroom. So we flat together in Ohopi Beach, um, and we kind of set up the lounge as our work-from-home station. And it, it actually proved to be a really positive way to keep on track work and um, yeah we motivated each other and that was really great Um, and I I just found myself um, much like many other people I assume um, losing motivation at points Uh, which is a very common thing I've been hearing um, as people adjusted to working from home but like I said it was just really great to have somebody next to me who you could bounce ideas off of and you could kind of have a wind and a moan and say, oh, I'm not really not really enjoying what I'm doing here. What direction can I take it in this way? And, yeah, that was really positive. Um, and, yeah, so we were living with a policewoman as well. So she's our other flatmate. Um, she works in a podiki. Um, she's really cool. And we were also, um, we also had Charlotte, who's the other reporter, we had her partner, Amish, staying with us, and he's studying by distance. So lots of different disciplines all mixed up in one little flat on the beach. <laughs> Did you get on each other's nerves? I'm actually surprised that we didn't. I don't know what it was. I don't know whether it was because Charlotte had Amish and they could kind of retreat to their own space, but we all were fairly symbiotic in the way that we um, lived and worked and exercised and kind of just got on with our lives. Um, it was really difficult. I had to say goodbye to my partner who moved down to Wellington the day before lockdown happened. So I had to 
say goodbye and start our kind of journey long distance. Um, and yeah, I mean, separation at this time is difficult enough. Yes. <laughs> and then, and then knowing that separation needs to then continue, that was quite a, a big, a big part of my personal life um, during the lockdown, and that that did weigh quite heavily on my mental health. But um, my flatmates were really supportive, and of course, I had days where I was <laughs> sitting in my room, not wanting to talk to anybody, not wanting to do anything, but. Um, yeah, you just you kind of got through it, didn't you? So, with two reporters and a policewoman in the flat, mm. you must have you would have had to behave. Yes, we always behave. <laughs> <laughs> but at least you would be pretty safe that you wouldn't end up on the front page of the newspaper. Yeah, well, I mean, only my name and the byline gets up on the front page, but uh, <laughs> that's that's the only time I'd like to be in the, in the newspaper. I'm also uh, the court reporter for the Fakatani Beacon, and so that was something that changed um, significantly. We weren't really during the lockdown; those four weeks, we weren't allowed to go into the courtroom and report. So I spent a lot of my time playing like email hockey, essentially, and making sure that I got all my details right. And because some of my rounds are very crucial in the fact that I can't misreport anything otherwise I could get in trouble legally um, and that's also taking people's words out of context and all sorts of things like that and so you really have to be um, thorough and sharp with your information and that's something that I just hadn't experienced um, in this way and by distance. Your first music choice Suddenly by Ways Blood did you want to tell us why you've chosen that one? Uh, this was a song that I listened to going on my walks on Okopia Beach um, during the lockdown. I listened to a lot of Ways Blood um, before uh, before lockdown started. I'd actually just gotten back from their concert in Auckland, and it was one of the very last um, one of the last big like, over one hundred people allowed uh, events that happened in Auckland at the town hall there and so it was I don't know it really resonates and it's not it's not special in the lyrics but it's more special in the in the feel of it and the, the memories of it that walking down the beach and watching the sunset and just having those simple things to to enjoy um, it encapsulates my my lockdown experience Suddenly my mind is open And I know you won't be sad Tempted by the morning sun And you appear Like I'm home
So we're allowed to gather in up to 100 people today. Have you been out partying? Yeah, well, me and my 10 friends will definitely be <laughs> gathering. I don't know if we can make the 100, but um, I do appreciate the fact that we'll be able to see live music now. We'll be able to gather in pubs and clubs and things like that. And I don't know what it is about a, a big group or a gathering like that, but I think <laughs> especially after not being able to do it for so long, it's going to be, um, it's going to be bliss. I think I'm a I'm a real social person, and I, I appreciate being able to um, meet new people and interact in large groups and crowds, and um, that's kind of like like the spice of life, isn't it? Um, and I'm 24 years old, so getting to know more people is kind of the name of the game at this point. During the lockdowns. Were you, you were working, did you do it entirely remotely? Yes, I did. So we were initially given um, one of the company cards to utilise because uh, community newspapers for, for a little time there weren't deemed um, essential services. Um, thankfully, the government decided that was silly because communities like ours do need representation in local media. Um, we bring a really special lens to it. So... We were given the access to um, we were given the access to a car, uh, but we didn't end up needing to use it because uh, my rounds are emergency services, police, um, court reporting, and kawaro. So all of those with say emergency, if there's an accident, it was going to be good if I could have access to a vehicle to get out to see the accident. But we ended up just not needing it because there was not enough cars on the road. There, Volume crime was down significantly, um, and yeah. So all of my all of my interviews were conducted over the phone, um, or via email, or even in some cases um, Facebook Messenger. 
one of the things that people keep telling us is that the sense of community has gotten stronger, even though they haven't been able to get together in the way that communities normally do. So have you seen that there, that sense of community getting stronger? Definitely. I think as a reporter in a community like the Eastern Bay of Plenty, um, you do, (laughs) this might sound silly, but all of us reporters are in a lot of buy and sell groups, a lot of community pages on Facebook, things like that. And you do see those these kind of like micro communities that form that are in their own kind of neighbourhood bubble. Um, we saw a lot of creativity um, in suburbs in Fakatani, for example, that were doing that were doing arty things that were putting out tea towels for kids to do paintings on and then do non contact drop offs to then hang up on kind of these displays and it was incredible to see the way that people were trying to find the brightness in the community and the creativity in the community and um, encourage everybody to be be like kids almost. I don't know what it is, but um, the, the connectivity there, um, I think, like you said, it did enhance and people, people did appreciate their neighbours a lot more. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokunui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou na mihi aroha nui kia koutou. I hope you're all having the best day, beautiful superstars. And I hope that as we journey further and further into level two together, you're finding so much to love and enjoy and experience anew with fresh eyes. And I hope that there's just so much appreciation for yourself and those around you that you love. And those around you perhaps that you're experiencing in a new way. And I really hope that every single day is bringing you so many reasons to smile and feel grateful and feel joy at the life that you are. So as a species of animal, of course, we know that we are here thanks to the creative energy that brings all life into being. And we are here thanks to the ingenuity and the creativity and the adaptability and the flexibility and the magic, genius inspiration that has helped all our ancestors, all life on Earth, to co-evolve for literally billions of years. So today, as I was driving out the beautiful, beautiful Tomahawk Lagoon area and gazing out upon all the colours, lighting up the sky with sunrise. And I picked up some yummy cakes for my friend's daughter that were gluten free and dairy free and vegan and all these yummy things and beautifully decorated. And I'd felted some socks that I'd knitted for her in the washing machine, so they were very, very securely woven together and beautiful and fluffy and turquoise and warm. I had a sudden rush of inspiration and joy to behold all of these creations that surround us all the time. And of course, the greatest creation of all, our beautiful, real, living world. And for me, my most inspiration comes from this real world, this natural world, this living world, of which we are all a part connected to all life in an infinite web and 
for me this morning, driving out on this adventure to present all of these gifts for beautiful Mia's 14th birthday, I had a realization of how wonderful it is that with our consciousness, we're able to take a little step back from the beauty of the world around us and really appreciate it as a source of inspiration for our own creativity. And of course, at all times, the infinite universe is presenting us with material. At all times, we are being given all of these gifts. Every moment that we are observing and smelling and tasting and hearing and feeling and experiencing, we are being given material for our own creative exploits and our own creative expressions. And whenever we do have a moment, a flash of inspiration, for me, I feel we are really embodying our true nature as a species of animal. We are so creative. And when we bring new things into being, of course, we add so much to this lucky world that we are so lucky to be in. And we create new things that can last forever. And I'm so grateful for our ability to do this. And as we know, our whole human world that we have created and constructed is based on this. All those frameworks of meaning that we have created as a species of animal based on our observations, all of those stories and aspects of the world that we identify with and build our identities from, all of the connections that we make with one another. We use so many symbols and so many stories and visions based on our creative world. And it's a very rich and very rewarding world, of course, for us to enmesh with emotionally. So I hope that for you, this whole lockdown time has been a real opportunity to reconnect with your creative energy that we all carry within. And I hope that as you're now heading out into the world more and more as I am, you're seeing more and more to be inspired by. And I know that whatever you create will be just like you, perfect, unique, and here to make the world better. So thank you all for the great creative work that you're doing constantly, and I look forward to talking to you tomorrow. Thanks so much. Kakiti. Has the news dried up? I mean, for a long time, the only news was COVID. Mm. We were desperate for something that wasn't COVID. Yeah. But is, is stuff happening out there? Stuff is happening out there. Um, what we're really fortunate with is at a community newspaper, our, our first, and, first and foremost, our main demographic is our community. And so they want to be hearing stories about them for them um, to do with their lives and how they live them. And so that's what we really try to prioritise is when, when you're in this kind of um, news media cycle that is just so entrenched with COVID-19 related content and copy, um, you do try and cut through it with, with simpler stories and things that are a little bit more uh, light-hearted, I suppose. Um, we really tried to prioritise, like I said, the community stories and 
um, maybe they're not hard news, maybe they're not national news cycle worthy, um, but that really wasn't our priority for a, for a majority of our coverage. Um, the, the priority was making sure our community felt represented in their, in their media, and I think we did a really good job of that. Yeah, an amazing job, I think. Do you think that the community as a whole in Whakatani is positive? I mean, it, Whakatani's done it hard the last year or so. Hmm. Is, is, it, is it still a... Is it a positive vibe out there? I think the resilience of the Eastern Bay of Plenty and of Whakatani astounds me every day. Um, we have worked really hard to stay positive, um, our industries, especially our tourism industries, post Fakati White Island, are really suffering. Um, and a lot of people, a lot of our friends, a lot of our Fano, are feeling those effects. But um, I just, I love speaking with people and hearing how positive they can be and how strong they can be. Um, this is an unprecedented time, as they keep throwing around. That's the favourite word at the moment, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's an unprecedented time at the moment for everybody. And I think, um, I think after after what happened with the Fakati eruption, we just kind of started to to be really introspective within our community and um, and build each other up a lot, especially small businesses and things like that. Um, we had this really incredible initiative. It was a, I know I keep talking about Facebook, but trust me, when you're working remotely as a reporter, that's mainly a, a really large source for you. Mm. Um, there was this Facebook page that was set up just by a local business owner who's an accountant. And overnight, I think it got thousands of people joined it. And the primary function of it was local businesses supporting local businesses. And um, the, the staggering numbers that joined on, that was a really clear representation of the way that everybody likes to support one another here. Um, and the messages, the messages that we even get to, to our Facebook page saying, look, um, I'm so glad that I can have the newspaper delivered to me now. Um, this is something that I've missed. Say when we couldn't do letterbox drop like drop-offs um, in Alert Level 4, uh, just because of various things and rules and regulations. So, yeah, I think I think we are, we're not recovering because there's a long way to go, um, but we're looking forward to the future, I think. Do you think it's a recovery or is it a, a regeneration, a, a rebuild in a different way? I think it's a cultural reset. <laughs> um, I think there's this there's this way that we all now need to think, and I think this isn't just exclusive to Fakatani. This is exclusive. This isn't exclusive to New Zealand, Aotearoa. This is everywhere. We we are all starting to understand what it means to live because <laughs> we've been given that blessing to carry on um, after. A global pandemic, and I mean, ongoing through a global pandemic, um, we're going to see so many different ways to function in all facets of life, um, whether that's in our personal lives, in our professional lives, um, the way that we, the way that we date, the way that we make friends. You know, all of these kinds of things are just going to change. I think. 
And it's kind of weird if you look at that pandemic is still happening everywhere around the world mm. and we're, we're in that well, now let's move on and, and what does our new normal look like phase mm. but in the rest of the world they're still right in the thick of the suffering yes, that we never had to endure mm. Mm. and in a lot of ways we can think that we are really fortunate in the way that our government responded um, I remember sitting at um, sitting at West End with my partner, sitting in the car eating a chicken sandwich, and we were looking at the push notification we just got through from Radio New Zealand, and it was saying that um, I think it was something about going at, starting to enter into the alert levels um, and cutting off trans, um, cutting off international flights and things like that, and just thinking, wow, this is this seems extreme, but this could be our saviour. And lo and behold, we we have been really fortunate to experience. I mean, I don't want to trivialise the deaths because they are very, it's very upsetting. Um, and we all grieve for the families who have been affected by COVID-19. But we are very lucky as a country, as a whole, to have such, so many few deaths actually happen here on our shores. Uh, because of those initial stages that we entered into, and those those strict those strict regu regulations that we that we just had to get used to, <laughs> and everybody making a commitment to caring for each other mm. and sticking to the rules, eh? Exactly. I yeah. think that's an important thing. Is that in this case, it was the message wasn't keep yourself safe. Mm. For because for us. It was if we got it, it would probably not. It probably wouldn't be a you know a disastrous outcome. Yeah. But we needed to act to protect other people. Yes. And and we switched from a very individualistic approach to things to that very quickly with very little complaint. Yeah, well, that's probably where, um, where that conversation around community community comes back in, um, because we were so conscious of of those around us um, and the effects that our actions could have on those people, um, and we started to to make to have closer relationships with those people that could be affected, and um, vice versa. Other people would try and get to know you and. I'd be sitting on my deck eating um, a piece of toast and drinking my morning coffee before I get into my work for the day and people walk past on the path and say, hello, good morning, you know, and I've never seen them in my life, but of course you say good morning back because that's just how we are <laughs> and that's how we had to be and it was just kind of refreshing being able to talk to somebody outside of my flat, um, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> There's lots of lots of FaceTime, lots of phone calls, so many so many friends reaching out, which I thought was really nice, but it did get overwhelming sometimes, having to stay connected to so many people. Um, but I mean, if that's the only thing I can complain about, then I'm very Daisy lucky. Mitchell is a downtown dweller, urban explorer, and conversationalist, observing city life in lockdown. 
Why, hello there, bubble people. How are you? I hope you're having a, a good day today. And uh, it's Liesl, and I am, I am, thank you, having a good day too. Uh, <laughs> it's good to meet you here again. I um, have been talking to a few people recently just about their experience over lockdown. Um, it's probably going to be the topic of conversation for a few months to come, I'm guessing, <laughs> as, as we all meet up with people maybe that we haven't seen for a while or run into an old friend or make a deliberate catch up a meeting with someone to check in, see how people are doing when we haven't seen maybe friends, loved ones for a while uh, and I'm just slowly catching up with some of those people in my life that over the lockdown period I um, maybe I did have some contact with but a lot of my friends I think we um, we didn't actually sort of have too much catch up over that time if they had families and things like that it was still quite busy time and a lot of people were still at work so it wasn't necessarily always convenient to catch up the way that I was able to catch up with a little bit more freedom and flexibility, I guess. So in these sort of catch-ups, I've been interested in the different responses to how lockdown affected people. And I'm interested in maybe uh, encouraging you to have a think about this too. So there's, there seems to be a range of feelings about what... Uh, what that was all about and while I think there's a there's a fairly large majority that supported the idea of lockdown in the sense that um, could see the the uh, the necessity for it and we were encouraged to do it as um, an act of kindness because it was um, saving lives and I think that was a really helpful uh, premise for people to feel like yes they would support that they would comply we would stay locked in but what a weird thing and most of us have never experienced anything quite like this before uh, I mean I guess in our society something like jail prison is a <laughs> equivalent in the sense that you are um, kept in one space and you're not really given an awful lot of freedom and some of the things that you normally enjoy have been cut off from you and it's been that sort of real spectrum of responses in terms of a uh, few people that I talked to recently were saying it was just awful. Like they just couldn't wait for it to be over. It was um, hell. They were completely distracted, unmotivated, uh, really uh, uncomfortable, um, didn't really feel much purpose, would spend you know, a large period of the morning in bed, and uh, didn't have much of a routine and a lot of people that sort of seem to think like this or feel like this also uh, you know slip I guess slipped into or kind of um, fell into or just kind of discovered they were suddenly into kind of old routines and patterns that were maybe not always healthy or helpful so I think there's a, that sort of spectrum where people were quite miserable, unhappy and felt uh, trapped and I guess that's where it feels like the prison for some people. Um, other people it was a time of reflection and growth in that sense and I think this is the interesting um, sort of like difference maybe is that when you have that space to sit in your own head it can be very very uncomfortable uh, depending on what comes out in that moment 
um, what has been sort of maybe kept under wraps for a while and then suddenly there's no noise to distract it so suddenly you've got those problems sort of emerging and you've you don't really have anywhere to run away to so I think for some people that kind of reflection time was really helpful because they were able to process stuff maybe that they didn't normally have time to process and they were ready to do that um, whereas other people I think confronted with that sort of space that silence the uh, the inability to really do as you choose or please was incredibly, uh, well, actually very distressing, I think, for some people. So while we hopefully will not be in lockdown again anytime soon, I think it's really good to know that we, um, how we respond to those sort of things and maybe what we can work on doing a bit differently or how we might be able to feel a little more comfortable in our own skin um, what made us feel uncomfortable, what, what worked, what didn't. I just think going forward it's always good to check in with yourself and see what you can do better, what you can grow. So I'll leave you with those thoughts um, on that note and I hope you have a really great rest of the day. Take care. So of all the societal level changes you've seen in the last couple of months, what do you think will stick and what do you hope will stick um i hope i hope people's consciousness around consumption sticks i hope people continue to um, preach support local um, and support our businesses in Pakatani in new zealand our new zealand based um, who really need our support um, I'm not a money person. I don't get paid very much money, so I don't have a lot to spend. Um, <laughs> but um, but I do hope that stays, and I also hope uh, people's people's willingness to to connect and stay connected with Fano and with with loved ones and friends. Um, I really hope that stays. I think it's interesting to think about the way that education will change. Um, I have a friend, a couple of friends who are teachers here in Whakatane. Um, one, she's a teacher at um, Whakatane High School. She teaches all years and she's she said to me that she thinks changing is, uh, teaching rather, is, is changing forever um, in a way that that's going to adapt and it's kind of been pushed to adapt so that they don't sink. And they have to swim, you know. Kids need to be... Um, engaging in the classroom, um, which I found really interesting. Uh, yeah, I think there are lots of different things I could talk about, but I don't know. We're very, we're very lucky to to be able to be at this point now where we're retrospective in, in these changes we did face and what we can take forward with us into the future and what the post-COVID landscape may look like. So as we move into that post-COVID landscape which we all hope is going to be some sort of flourishing, regenerative kind of place. What do you think we can learn from how we've responded to this threat, to the perhaps bigger threats of climate change, social justice, injustice, biodiversity collapse, those sorts of things? Well, I think we can learn... um we can learn from the power 
of the government and if there is an action in these in these sectors, um, then we can hold those in power accountable um, more significantly because if a response like the COVID response can be done, um, so too can responses to these wider issues. That's a good answer. I'm writing that one down. Yeah, because as the as the constraints have come on, we've also realised that there's some constraints that we take off. There's things that we thought we absolutely had to do. Turns out we don't have to do them. Mm. Things we didn't think were possible. Turns out they are possible. Mm, exactly. And it's it's... Our Prime Minister moved heaven, heaven and earth to protect all Kiwis, all New Zealanders. Um, and if things like that are happening at that scale, um, we can be sure that there should hopefully be changes down, down the track. And if there's not, then why? <laughs> yes. One of the things that we've seen is that kindness is a thing. It's not just a thing. It's not just a, a thing that goes on Christmas cards or something. It is a. This is a thing that policy can be based on. Mm, definitely, and and compassion and understanding for those in different situations is ours. I mean, um, Fakatani saw a huge increase. I think, like across the country, a massive increase in those who needed. Um, assistance from the Salvation Army, from Kaurau Future Leaders, all receiving care packages and food packages and things like this. And these organisations um, organising this aid for those in need, um, it, it really did highlight the the amount of families who are in um, really unstable financial positions. Um, and that's really scary because poverty in New Zealand is so rife. Um, and in the East May Plenty, I get really passionate about this topic, <laughs> but in the East May Plenty, a lot of there's a lot of wealth and there's a lot of poverty. Um, and we do we do see these disparities um, and people tend to look the other way. Um, but it's really important to build those um, those people up who are in our community who need help, who shouldn't feel ashamed to ask for help. And then, like you said, this is when we can say to the government, well, what's happening about this? Kids are sleeping in buses with broken windows and on a mattress with no sheets. You know, this isn't, this isn't the New Zealand that we think that we live in. Um, and so it's, I think COVID, with all the financial instability of even just quote-unquote normal people, um, it's, it's unfortunate that it has to come to this where there's mass unemployment, but we do need to review um, how we're treating those, those who are um, in lower socioeconomic positions. I don't have a sensible segue to get from there to party boy, so we're just going to have to brute force. <laughs> <laughs> well, this song, I think, on that note, um, this song was one that really cheered me up. Um, when you're in lockdown and you can't go out and you can't have drinks with your friends and you can't dance around 
in the bars, you kind of just have to have a couple of beers with your flatmates and dance around in the lounge instead. Um, <laughs> and this song, this song really makes me dance. I don't know what it is. I don't know. I think it's it's got to have, it's the beat, it's the attitude. You just want to, I don't know. You just want to sing along. Um, it's not a conventional dance tune by, by any means, but um, it's a New Zealand artist. It's an incredible album that it's from, Make Way for Love, and that's exactly what we need to do at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Party boy Everybody loves you how they do Yeah, they really rely on you Pull the party Wild one, don't give the game away But the powder dried up yesterday Party boy I know there's a party boy It's terrified of the party boy Party boy, I don't like you I know you know you don't mean to be a party boy If I find you, if I catch you I'm sorry, boy, but you can party at the bottom of the working that day no I wasn't that was on a Saturday um, that's on the record yeah. Yet, so yeah but I think of course it was on a Saturday we believe you yeah okay good, <laughs> good. 
I think, yeah, it was pretty. It was a pretty incredible um, effort by the girls. Uh, but I think that's the thing. People just found ways to have fun um, and feel like a little bit silly and a little bit like life isn't that heavy. Because um, otherwise you could just sit in your room and think about how hard life may be. I'm a really, I'm a doomsday prepper when it comes to thinking like, what's going to happen next? I need to be five steps ahead. Am I going to lose my job? Am I going to need to move away from the Bay Plenty? Um, where am I going to be if I if I get laid off, if I get made redundant? Um, but these are all things that you can't really think about because I need to feel really grateful for where I am now. Um, I need to feel grateful for the stability I have in my work right now. Um, and, and yeah, and just for my friends in this region, I don't have any um, family in the East Bay Plenty. Um, and so you really, I did have to find solace and, um, and company and whānau within my friend group that I have here. You know, lots of group chats, lots of just talking absolute crap online, but you just need, you just need to enjoy it. You know? So I have some questions to end with. Mm -hmm. What's the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? In the last couple of years? Yeah. I should have I should have said over the last two or three days and made you made you talk about your poo story. <laughs> For the listeners that don't know, I wrote a story about person put poos on a on a site box on a property they thought was um, not appropriate. Anyway, uh, we'll move on from there. So in the past two years, so I grew up um, born and raised Wellingtonian. Um, I lived there for 22 years. I think 22 years? Yeah, 22 years. Um, I did my university degree there. Um, I had never um, lived away from my hometown and away from my family before. Um, and I got, I was desperate to find a job. A lot of graduates, even probably now at the moment with all of these students who have just just, just graduated and are trying to find these entry-level positions, I too was in that position struggling. Um, and I got this call from Sky TV um, and they said, we want, I had, had an interview the week before and they said, we want you to come up um, can you start in a week? And this was in Auckland. And I didn't have a flat. <laughs> I didn't have anything. Um, and I just thought, yep, okay, I'm going to do it. And that was one of the biggest moves that I'd made in my whole life. Um, and that was really significant, was to get out of that comfort zone. I think I really broke a, broke a massive barrier for myself when I did that. And I just thought, this is an accomplishable task. <laughs> and I set my mind to it. I think also um, when Fakati White Island erupted, that was really, I, I was about five months into my career as a reporter. So I studied journalism at university. But of course, it's very difficult to get into the industry. Um, and I was living in Wellington, which is one of the most <laughs> densely journalism populated places. <laughs> So I wasn't going to get a job, no way, no how. Um, and so having the opportunity to come to Whakatani and start my job here and then being faced with such a significant um, 
event and just a moment where the entire community was grieving. Mm. It was so sobering. Um, I actually interviewed Jacinda Ardern. Um, I was, <laughs> I, I, I feel like I was still pretty green, to be honest. I was five months into my job um, and I was sat face to face with the Prime Minister. Um, and when I was in the newsroom, we were talking about, oh, we've, we've been granted about five minutes to chat with her about the, the Ficardi response. What are we, what are we going to do? And then I was plugged through to the phone call when they said, I was like, okay, got all the details, did my due, due diligence. And um, I said, okay, well, who's taking this job? And they just looked at me like, you are. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean I <laughs> Oh, you, you're expecting me to interview the Prime Minister? Okay. <laughs> so that was another really pivotal point in my career, um, was doing that, really, and also being able to, and being trusted with um, the stories of our community at that time. That was really special. Because you can't, community newspaper, you can't fight against a New Zealand Herald team that has five reporters, two camera people, a social media coordinator. You can't fight a team like that on one story. And we had to continue representing the entire region um, during that time. And so we had a lot of criticism and that was really hard to come to terms with because we were working, we were working 12, 13, 14 hour days just to try and keep up. Mm -hmm. um, but we just kind of realized that we couldn't. And we did our best at, at telling our people's stories and not trying to tell the, the biggest stories or the most intense stories, but the more quiet the quiet stories and the ones that were important to people in the Eastern Bay, really. And you both did an amazing job. Thank you. Amazing job. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Honoring and respecting our people. Yeah. That was our priority. So we've got almost no time to do the rest of the questions. So I'm going to go really quick. We're writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. You're on our mansion. What's your superpower? My superpower? Uh, that's really hard because sometimes I feel like a superhero every day. If I put my mind to it. <laughs> but um, I think in my real life, my superpower is my empathy. And my my ability to to see people for who they are and to appreciate people for who they are, and not be worried about their contributions to my life and rather their contributions to the world. Do you consider yourself to be an activist? Uh, I think everybody in media should. Um, we're we, we're given a, a platform to to write, to broadcast, to speak. Um, a lot of the times our work is done from our sources and we cover stories that we've just been given, but um, I do look into ways that I can I can bring my own opinions into things uh, with my round with crime. I'm a big big advocate for, for youth offenders and the stance that they deserve second chances and they deserve rehabilitation. Um, I'm a big advocate for poverty, as I was speaking before. Um, I'm a Pākehā 24-year-old woman who comes from a middle-class background. 
Um, and that is privilege. You know, that is a privilege that I have. And it's my, it's my duty to use that privilege and work with those who may not have that privilege and to make their lives better in whatever way I can. What challenge are you looking forward to in the next couple of years? I think the challenge I'm looking forward to in the next couple of years to see where my career goes, to see where my, um, where my life goes, essentially. Um, I'm approaching 25 very soon, still very young, but that is kind of like a big stage in your life. Um, I want to be challenging in, in approaching my personal life with a lot of like, gusto, just as much as I apply to my professional life. I want to work on fostering kind and loving relationships with my friends and my family and, and my partner and being long distance is difficult but I really look forward to us because um, we've been together for about four years now and so so tackling life together and being able to be with one another again will be a really awesome challenge as well because there's more to life than work. And lastly do you have any advice for our listeners? Um. <laughs> I think um, if you feel like you're alone, you're not. And if you feel like you can't reach out, you can. And that's basically it. Thank you very much for that. Thank you very much for joining me. Well, you're welcome. It's been really lovely chatting. You've been listening to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world, brought to you by the Sustainable Lens team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We're broadcast on Otago Access Radio every weekday afternoon at three and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us in all the potty sorts of places as well. We've had contributions from Tahu McKenzie and Liesl Mitchell. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin with Mawira Karatai in Fakatani and, sitting beside her, Hazel Osborne in Fakatani. It's the first time we haven't all been in a separate room, so well done. <laughs> Congratulations, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> we hope you enjoyed the show. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.